Good morning and welcome to the Mowers Club, brought to you by Toro Mowers, powered by 100 years of innovation. Welcome to listeners listening, SEN 1170 in Sydney, 1620 on the Gold Coast, SENQ 693 in Brisbane. To those listening on the SEN app, you can get that through Apple, Spotify, and the usual places you get your podcasts. All right, the Dream Team is back in the building. We've got Scope, we've got Missile, it's the OG Mowers Club. Welcome back from Melbourne, Scope. You forgot Gibbo too. Gibbo, I, was, I, yeah. I like to ease him in. I like to ease him OG, in. OG, you said OG. Yeah. How, how original. Yeah. Melbourne yeah. scope. Yeah, it's good to be back, boys. Um, it was a rough day on the punt. Uh, not Did only I? not only on Derby Day, but also Melbourne Cup. But it's just so good to be down there. You know, we'll talk about it in a little bit. Um, yeah. Melbourne races compared to Sydney races, in particular Randwick against Flemington and. Um, it's just so good to be a part of it. You know, we went down. We we were part of the tab marquee. Um, seen a f- few familiar faces while we're down there. We we're uh, talking big celebs before. Who was was there a marquee celeb for the um, day, like an ambassador or whatever? Uh, no, not from our not on the Saturday. It got a little bit bigger on on Tuesday. Obviously, Todd Gurley uh, was there, who was representing the NFL. Uh, yeah. He's a big time ex running back. Yeah. Um, but I'm just trying to think about who, who was the most famous person you saw on the day. Um, Brayton Astor. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm not too. I'm not too sure. Like, yeah, we, I, I can't. Obviously, like the trainers were rolling through. Um, who else was in there? Um, there wasn't anyone like of note on the Saturday. Like I said, it was a lot bigger on Tuesday. Yeah. So I think you know, with Saturday, um, it's a little bit different because Derby Day. Um, and it's the weekend, more casuals or, or more of the general public can go. Yeah. Whereas I think obviously Tuesday, a lot of people work. So then maybe they go and reach out and get a few more of the celebrities. Yeah. Like, yeah. Cause you usually get like a hundred thousand on Derby day, don't you? It's yeah, huge. Yeah. Huge. Like uh, Miss you had World some dramas Australia. getting there, right? Yeah. To, it's hard, isn't it? What getting in? Yeah. Yeah. So traffic, us- Ubers, like traffic in that whole suburb. Lineups to get down that big driveway to get in near the, where the birdcage is. Tough work. Yeah, they um they blocked off one of the streets that the, one of the Uber drivers went down, and apparently, you know, there was just this um uh, like U-turn of uh, of Ubers coming in and out of this street that was blocked mm. off as well. So Madness. It, it took us. It, we left at eleven thirty. We got the Uber eleven thirty from the hotel, and we didn't get in until ten or twenty past one. Yeah, into the. Race course. So you missed like, what first two races? We got the start of the f- second race. Second, yeah. yeah. Not that you missed much on the pun anyway. Yeah, saved <laughs> um, a little bit. I was, uh, I was showing my girlfriend, um, you know, all the outfits for the boys, and she's saying, "Geez, all the boys are looking sharp." Obviously, there's a strict dress code. I was thinking, I, re- I reckon we've entered a new era, uh, and probably uh, more more your age demographic, maybe even Braith and Willie. They're in their forties now and, and and below of it's no longer a joke of – it used to be when I first started going down to the races, some of the Melbourne people would joke about, oh, you know, rugby league players, you know, they, they don't dress properly or they're a bit scraggly or, you know, top button's undone and mm. I don't know, whatever it is, mismatched socks or whatever. But now rugby league's brought itself up to the level. They're sharp, they're dressed right, and they're representing – and I think that's the next generation, right, of a little bit more effort and thought into – Outfits, grooming, all that stuff. Yeah, for sure. I reckon social media is a massive oh, part of that. 100. Like you, yeah. and, and then when you go down, and we ran into a whole heap of AFL players while we we're down there. You probably 
well, a big name in AFL circles, Jordan Dugowie. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah, how's he going? Yeah, good. He... He's a good guy. Is hey? he sober? Yeah, we had a couple of sneaky <laughs> yeah. ones too. Yeah, we had a yeah. couple of beers together and uh, had a good chat and talking about the grand finals uh, yeah. back to back. And uh, that was pretty good. But like the AFL boys are a different level of everything. It feels like they're always 10 years in front of us. They always look in the Mickey. They've got the nice suits. That you know, because the races are so big. Like they're bigger. I feel like they're bigger down in Melbourne. Mm. Um, and a lot of the boys have either you know been involved in horses or, or or whatnot. So they do the races properly. They're always looking good. We, you know, with Jamara, Yuli uh, yep. Hagen as well, yeah, yeah. the the number one pick for the Western Bulldogs. He was looking the Mickey. Um, I think yeah. the other thing down there is uh, the races are such a big social event, but also all the sponsors and stuff around it. So I remember the first time I went down to the races was when I first uh, met Rose and we're going to Derby Day. And her mum called me maybe a couple of weeks before the races and said, oh, what are you wearing to Derby Day? And I was like, I don't know, like whatever. Mm. And she's like, oh, who's dressing you? And I was like, what? And she's like, who's dressing you? And I was like, I don't know, I'll just pull something together. She's like, oh, don't be silly. Like reach out to us. So I get your manager to reach out to a suit brand or whatever. And I uh, can't remember who he reached out to in the end, but like, you know, got dressed, had a stylist and all that. And that was just normal for athletes or whatever in Melbourne to have stylist males, stylist, yep. suit brands, all that stuff. And then off the back of that stuff, I ended up getting sponsored by Hugo Boss. And they'd be like, oh, races is coming up in a month. Come in store, do a, a consulting session with the stylist, pick out this, that. Like How it good. was full on. Yeah. But for... In Melbourne, that was like the norm. Didn't raise an eyebrow. They're like, yeah. that's that's what you do for the races. And yeah. like Rose would start planning her outfits and even she'd be seeing stylist or, you know, morning of the races, they'd be going to hair and makeup like three hours. She'd be up at five AM to go do hair and makeup, fake tans, like all like it was so serious. And then you come back to Sydney and go to the races at Randwick or whatever, and people would rock up wearing like chino pants and no tie. Yeah. You're like, oh, there's a different culture for sure. The birdcage plays a big part in that for sure because it's like another level. The it's amount like of media is crazy, isn't it? The yeah. amount of media, yeah. like you walk in those gates and there's like it's paparazzi everywhere. Yeah. Did you uh, experience any of the blue hair brigade? I know that there was there were there was protest. I think that that could have been something different. Protest in and around the carnival, but I, I feel like a few years ago there was a lot of people saying horse racing is bad. You know, blah blah blah. Where in Sydney, I don't think that is that is a loud voice. Was they the were there at there? Everest. Oh, were they? Were they? Yeah, they were yeah. there at Everest. Um, we went past them, but nothing massive. It's always the same blue hair brigade. type of people. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's always Melbourne Cup week. I'd imagine because that's when you get more of the casuals. Yep. That yeah. get involved in horse racing, where you can, I guess, like if you like horse racing. Um, or oh, sorry, if you're if you're a casual and you're sort of on the fence with getting involved in the day because you don't watch any horse races, then it's in the papers and everyone starts talking about the Melbourne Cup. Maybe you can be swayed to yeah. not mm. enjoying the day. Like you could just be like, actually, I don't I don't bet on horses all all, all all throughout the year. So like, why am I doing it now? And maybe that's why they target that day and then Everest is which is our biggest day. Yeah, now. like th- that would have taken over. I'd imagine some of the other big races back in the day, but Everest is clearly our biggest day in, in Randwick and Sydney now. There and was a lot of like kook areas from some of the reporting on Melbourne Cup. I know the age down, which is Sydney Morning Herald, the age down in Melbourne and even Fox Sports, like sort of reporting as it like, oh, a couple of horses have pulled up lame just because they know that 
there's a lot of people pissed off about this. But yeah. Just to try and, you know, just yeah, to yeah, try and yeah. anger some people. But yeah, yeah. It seems like there was a, what? How many? Was it 80,000 there this year at Flemington for yep. Melbourne Cup Day? Like, yep. it seems like it's thriving. Yeah. yeah thriving. Yeah. It, I think it had a quiet year off the back of COVID. Yeah. Um, but now it's bounced back. I, I know they were having trouble off the back of the COVID years. They were having trouble selling those spots in the birdcage. So it'd be, what, a dozen big marquees in the birdcage, say? Yep. Maybe a few less. And they had trouble for a couple of years selling those because you imagine the outlay on those to deck them out, catering, all the food and drink, it's everything's fun. free. It'd be hundreds of thousands, if not millions, to run. Like even like Lexus through like a two- or three-story one. Yep. Imagine their outlay. They've, they've basically built a nightclub yep. and done free catering for four days in a – like. Of, of the Melbourne Cup carnival ending yeah. in today. It's the outlay. And I, I look at it sometimes and go, are people buying more Lexuses because they see that? Yeah. Like, what's the return? It's it's almost like the way I view it is these companies, I think it's a way of, like, thanking people that have been involved with them more than anything. Like, yeah. I can't imagine that the brands are making a shitload of money off it because yeah. it's – um. Like, I remember when I went, like, 2013 was the last time I went, and it was just like a festival marquee tent. Like, the way <laughs> really? the structure of it, yeah. It was like one of those white... Um, they're buildings um, now, aren't they? Yeah, now they're proper, like, infrastructure. How are and, they making those? Like, they would have to get their, I don't know, like, how quickly they pump them out, like, how quickly they get them built throughout the week. Um, I've seen... Um, you know what I reckon's played a part, too, in the... Um, slight decline of Derby Day and the amount of money is for sure it's got to be Everest. Yeah. So if you think yeah. like Everest is two or three weeks before Melbourne, if during that spring carnival, Melbourne dominated so much, if you were going to have a big race day, just say you and your boys want to get together, you want to do a Bucks trip, you'd go, all right, boys, we're going 10 years ago, you go Melbourne, Derby Day, Caulfield Cup, Cox Plate, whatever, yeah. Melbourne Cup yeah. or whatever. Now, if you live in Sydney, you just go, boys. Let's get let's get ready for Everest in about three months. True, you know. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. You, you, or if you just say you take away a few of those those boys trips or or, or boys and girls trips, um, yeah, it, it, it sort of I think it's played a part. But I seen that the numbers for Oaks Day, which was Thursday, yeah, um, were the highest that it's ever been as well. Okay. So people were gradually starting to get back into getting down to the races after. You know, COVID in particular. I think the big days that would be affected by Everest and the rise of Everest and its uh, popularity would be Caulfield Guineas, Caulfield Cup, Cox Plate, the ones around Melbourne Cup Week. But Melbourne Cup Week itself is always going to be bumper. Um, I was listening to uh, some podcasts this week. Um, the Inspired Unemployed is one that I like. It's a oh, bit yep. funny. It's a bit different. And it got me thinking about about podcasts as a platform and um, what started out um, for me, like listening to podcasts. And I wanted to ask you guys. So the the first podcast or the the one that kind of got you into that new medium of of media. What what started you guys on podcasts and what sort of what's your range of podcasts that you listen today to today, including of course the Mowers podcast. <laughs> Which of course, we, we always started the mowers. You started SEN, but the OG for me was Joe Rogan. Uh, he always had different sorts of guests that I probably just hadn't listened to before, and, yeah. and it started to expand sort of my thoughts of what's happening around the world a little bit more. Like we yeah. we joked joked about it during like the COVID times, 
was if when you wanted to find out information about like something that was happening to a certain level, obviously yeah. you've got to do your research and and look into things. But you'd go on Joe Rogan and listen to whoever, whatever expert he'd had on. Yeah, and that's how I based my sort of opinion to begin with. And um, and then I listened to a whole heap of sports ones as well. Like I love my NFL and I love my NBA. So uh, Chris Sims unbuttoned is a good one. Uh, Pat McAfee over there for, for NFL. Yep. Yep. Uh, Bill Simmons for basketball I really like. But what about you, Gibbo? I reckon maybe the first one I would have listened to might have been like the Howie Games or something. I just oh, I yeah, pretty right. much I pretty much just listen to sports podcasts, maybe the Entourage podcast here and there. But Bruce McAvaney, like he's obviously a hero for any young sports yeah. wannabe journalist. And he did like an interview. I think it might have been third or fourth episode of Howie Games. That was awesome. So I think initially gotcha. podcasts were listened to to find out stuff about guys I wanted to know stuff about. Like Kempy's one at the start, he had the locker room. And it yeah. was so different to what it's become now. It was yeah. so loose back then. Like Bo Ryan, I think, was one of his first guests. And they yep. were just talking smack. I guess like what cha- what's changing now is that looseness is sort of going a little bit in in like those big reputable podcasts because it's like, yeah. you know, they got heaps of money behind them. They can't be talking heaps well, of shit. Well, sponsors, right? sponsors have exactly entered the right. game. Yeah, they're ambassadors. They're, yeah, they got they got different deals. What about Mine you, was, uh, I started listening to one. So mine was completely separate from sport. I didn't really see it as, I guess I, I viewed it more as like an alternate radio option. And I, I, I've originally listened to one called King and the Sting. Which oh, was Theo, yeah, like Theo Von and Brendan Schaub. Oh yeah, he's and awesome. I listened. To, I just I'd seen some clips online. Like this is hilarious. What's this podcasting stuff all about? Used to listen to that and think it was really funny. And off the back of that, then went from there to Joe Rogan. Whereas a lot of people went the other way. Joe yeah. Rogan to Brendan Schaub. Yep. So I listened. To, started listening to some Joe Rogan. I was like, I really like this long form where people can talk a bit more and you get to know more about them. I wonder what there is out there in Australian sport. And that's where I, f- I stumbled upon Kempy. Yep. Um, and he was doing his locker room chats. And I was like, oh, I get to hear about rugby league players away from football, which I find the most interesting. We know what Cam Munster's like when he plays and when he does post-game interviews and says all credit to the boys. Yep. But what's he like outside of that? And I found that fascinating. And then from there, uh, I stumbled upon the Hello Sport Boys who came on Kempy's podcast. Um, and then that was almost a combining of two worlds of comedy or everyday kind of bloke humor and sport. And I was like, oh, that's a bit of a sweet spot for me. And that's been kind of my go-to since then. Um, just on that. So we're going to have Tom from Hello Sport on the podcast, on the Mowers podcast, or on the Mowers show today um, to chat about sport at school. I was listening to their podcast this week, heard a really interesting stat around the first, there was a news article around the beep test and some sections of the media and the population saying that the beep test is bad for kids. We all did the beep test at school, of course. Uh, what, were, what were the arguments? Or do, are we going to wait for Tom oh, before I'll we discuss I'll just preview this? it a little bit. So yep. basically, um, the, the beep test is measuring a kid's um, fitness and it's giving them an unhealthy relationship with fitness or with with. Uh, sport. So if they get a low score, it's deterring them f- to continue to get better. Is that yep. what the article is basically yep. referencing? Yeah. That's the way that I guess the world's sort of going. Like, haven't we got in under sevens footy? I think it might be here in New South Wales. They're not playing for points. 
Like they don't, they don't keep, yeah. They don't well, keep here's score. here's a counter argument, and this is one that Tom will talk to us about, and he brought it up on um, their podcast. Do you get deterred when you do a test at school and you get a low score? Hell no. Well, some kids would, oh, right? Of course, yeah, yeah. Like I yeah. didn't look, I didn't look forward to um, test week for for school. Yeah, either did I. Yeah. So the same as the kid that's unfit doesn't look forward to the beep test. Yeah. There's kids that don't love school that don't look forward to test week. That's a fair comparison. So if you're going to say that it's the beep test is unhealthy for fitness, then surely doing tests on kids for school is unhealthy for education. But you're probably so, spending more time though doing school work. So what? You do PE is, class is that once the right? twice a week. Uh, well, that's that's what we're going to talk to Tom yeah. about. Are, mm. are kids doing enough exercise? What are the stats at the moment around kids' sport participation, even things like obesity and health, which all relate to that? So that's going to be a really um, interesting segment. We've got some ex- excerpts from their podcast. Uh, we're also going to have Tristan Merlihan on from Top Sport. We're going to give you some odds, hopefully get our multis back on track. It was a bloodbath of a weekend. Well, not for the Kiwis, it wasn't. They, I got, I had the line that was my bet was them at the line minus which was, twelve and a half. Yeah. I could have actually gone thirteen plus, which would have been paying like twelve bucks. Yeah. Well, I got a bit greedy. Oh, I had no. the Kiwis head to head, but I needed Joey Manu to score oh, as well. And they just, he didn't sort of. He was doing everything else but scoring. And what both wingers, Tim, Timiko scored. Yep. Oh, filthy. So the the back four, but Joey, and then there was a period where I think there was like a loose ball and he sort of dived on it, but there was like a knock on before it. And yeah. He, sort of rolled over the, the try line. So, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll Just sums little... up my weekend on the punt, though. Yeah. All you of get us. the Kiwis at like three fifty, four dollars $4, and then miss out on Joey Manu. We'll talk a little bit more about the Pacific Championship because we haven't been with you since then. We'll also have Magic Mike in studio to preview UFC 295, which is tomorrow. Massive card there. Two title fights. Uh, we'll talk a little bit of races. We'll try and get ourselves back on track. Um, plenty more sports uh, that have been played overnight. Score updates. Uh, you're on the mowers with a very fresh and rejuvenated scope and missile. Welcome back to the mowers club with scope and missile. Heaps of text coming through. We'll try and get to as many of those as we can throughout the show. Our mystery man says, yes, King in the sting, massive Theo Von fan here. Uh, I know mystery man is a big UFC fan as well. So we'll have magic Mike in to preview UFC later in the show. Mystery man. I love, I love Theo. Uh, yeah. Brendan Schaub's had a fall from grace, hasn't he? Like, I think he's starting to build his way back back up now. But I think the, he just got a little bit too high on his own supply. Yeah. Like Theo Vaughn was the goat, and he was the reason I listened to that. And he left that podcast. I, they're still friends. He had a run in with Bobby Lee. Yeah, it was Schaub? something around that. Yeah, yeah. Schaub, Schaub has fallen off a little bit, but um, Theo Vaughn is he's hilarious. And he had. Um, Carlson Tucker Tucker Carlson on. Did I've you watch that? that? I seen little oh, clips awesome. of it. Have so you seen funny. when he does um, stuff with oh, what's his name, Caleb Presley? Yeah, oh, yeah. They're Very hilarious funny. together. Very Those funny. Two. Yeah, Bristol Sports. Uh, score updates over Nightscope. Uh, a bit of NBA news, mm. which I know you'll like to discuss. Uh, Gianna scored fifty-four points as the Bucks went down to the Pacers. Uh, Gianna, is he still kind of yeah. top top yeah, of the NBA for sure? For sure, the Bucks are. Just trying to figure out what they're doing with Damian Lillard as well, who just went there. He's probably the biggest star that changed teams over the the over the off season, over the break. I was hoping he was going to go to the Miami Heat, but Tyrese Halliburton is a really good emerging young star. He can do it all. He uh, facilitates well. He can shoot. He's a good defender. Uh, the Pacers are a sneaky good team. They're okay. a low market team, just like the Bucks. Are we sort but, of four or five games in now? 
more. They'd be more? close to 10 games, I reckon. Because they get so many in a week, don't yeah, they? Yeah, they play about three games a week. So That's insane. So yeah. probably a little bit early, but who are the big players this year? The Nuggets will be up there again. Yep. Jokic, you know, when he's on, is very hard to stop. He's very hard to defend. And then they've got really good role players, Jamal Murray, uh, Michael Porter Jr. Um, but the the NBA, this is why the NBA's got really competitive over the last couple of years, I reckon. Mm. You, so it's not just dominated by one or two well, teams. Well, LeBron was so dominant for, for so long in whatever conference he was playing at, whether it was East, you know, representing the Miami Heat or Cavs during his time there that he would often – it might be competitive throughout the season, but you just know LeBron and either the Heat or the Cavs were going to roll through the East. And then even when he went over to the Lakers, they probably haven't had as strong a lineup and he's getting a little bit older, but you just knew that he was going to be thereabouts. Mm. Now they're starting to – he's like he's 39 years old. Yeah. So he's, he's taking a bit of a dip now. Anthony Davis probably just isn't producing like a lot of people expect would think. Him. Yeah. With but, NBA, I always find it uh, really funny here in Australia, like the Nuggets one last year, right? And you always see a few people pop up on your socials, like lifelong Nuggets fan, love the Nuggets, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, were you really a Nuggets <laughs> yeah. fan or where does that come from? But what's the life cycle of an NBA franchise from, for example, in the rugby league, if you've been a Tigers, Bulldogs, Dragons fan, you've struggled for best part of a decade now. But is the NBA cycle for a, a franchise shorter, like, do they come from bottom to premiership contenders because of draft picks, because of ownership quicker than an NRL cycle? I feel like it's a little bit different now. Back in the day, it would have been the more consistent franchises, like the big franchises like Lakers, Celtics, all these sorts of franchises. Now, with social media and your own branding, you can afford to play in the smaller cities like Milwaukee Bucks, yeah. like the Pacers, have Denver. your own... Yeah, profile, own brand, and still be able to create something outside of basketball is where if you weren't in LA, Miami, Boston, New York back in the day, then it was very hard to build your brand. Yeah. Uh, And in the AFLW, thanks to Bing Lee, better living every day. The Sydney Swans are into the finals. They'll take on the Gold Coast Suns tonight at 7.15. They had an impressive performance uh, this year. They've won three straight wins to end the season and get into the eight. Last year, they didn't win a single game, so massive turnaround from the girls there. Uh, one change for the Bloods with Irish import Paris McCarthy returning to the side. The winner of this game will play the loser of the Crows line match. Great service, great brands, great value. Now available in-store and online at Bing Lee. Better living every day. Welcome back to the Mowers Club with Scope and Missile, brought to you by Toro Mowers, powered by 100 years of innovation. All right, we previewed this in the intro, Scope. We want to talk school sport school activity, sport for young kids. And the reason I got thinking about this was listening to my favorite podcast during the week, the Hello Sport podcast. Uh, We're joined now by one of the hosts of the Hello Sport podcast, Tom Birmingham. Welcome to the Mowers Club, Tom. G'day, Mowers. Thanks for having us. Can I just say quickly before we get into this school sport topic, uh, I told my girlfriend that uh, you were coming on the show today, Rose. You met her the other week at the... Rosé party. Big day Rosé. Big day Rosé yep. party. She said, oh, I, I love Tom. He was so nice. She said, I, I always used to <laughs> I used to hear you listening to the podcast. And when I was listening, I think I preferred Eddie's voice. But now I've met them. I just, I'm, a, I'm a big Tom guy. So you made a lasting impression. I don't know what you said or did while I wasn't there, but big impression on the missus. Yeah, she's only human, mate. She's only human. Look, I... Uh... 
you've just got to be friendly to everyone in this life, mate. I don't know what I said, to be honest. There was a lot of rosé consumed, so <laughs> I think it was... I think it was all above board, Missile. <laughs> Very good. All right. I want to play a little excerpt from your Thursday podcast where you spoke about um, school sport and the beep test in particular, and then we'll chat off the back of that. More than 80% of Australian children are not meeting national guidelines for physical activity, and 25% of Australian children and teens are now either overweight or obese. So and what's the percentage? 25% either overweight or obese. Not enough beep tests. Well, more so beep tests. I wonder whether you should be mandating exercise in school more. Yeah, so listen to that, Tom, and it's this is a good cross-section of the population here. So we've got Scope, who went to a sporting – would you call sport it a sport school? A sport yeah. school. Yep. I went to a Catholic co-ed school in Port Macquarie. You are a private school boy here in Sydney, Tom, and uh, Gibbo, our panellist, our producer, he was a public school student. Yes. So I wanted to ask you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I wanted you to ask you first, Tom. Um, what was a normal week like at uh, Scott's College uh, for, for sport, for PE, whatever sort of physical activity you guys were doing? Yeah, I we were trying to remember this the other day. I'm pretty sure you had to do PE twice a week, and like there was a very low sort of standard of like whether you wanted to get out of it or not. You just basically had to say you forgot your clothes and you didn't have to do anything. <laughs> um, and then I think then it was like two trainings. So like for whatever sport you did, which again, you could get out of quite comfortably with a, a, an injury or anything, but um, it wasn't heaps. So it was two PE, two trainings, which again are like an hour. And then that was it. Yeah, and what about you, Scope, at a sports school? So for sports school, we were obviously recruited. We were the first uh, sports school in Australia too, by the way. So it was like the start of it. Uh, we were so I was recruited to play footy. So we did in from year 7 till 10, we'd train in the mornings at yeah. like 6.30 before school started uh, for, for about an hour and a half. And then we had PE as well where PE would be practical twice. We did PE twice a week, twice a week. Uh, early in the week it would be it might be in class and then later in the week you do a practical session so yeah. I was doing at least three forms of physical activity but then also like because we're all sportsmen handball at lunchtime mm. footy up on the oval at lunchtime cricket yeah. during summer yeah so my school um, we were PE prac once a week which is when you had to bring the change of clothes and by the time everyone went to the change rooms and changed clothes and came back out you might have what 30 minutes on Half the oval hour, yeah max uh and then we did school sport once a week and by the time we got to year 11 and 12 uh pe prac was uh, elective pe was an elective subject so most of our school wouldn't have done pe which was surprising but they i don't know it's a bit of a nerdy school i guess and then uh school (laughs) school sport dropped out in year 11 and 12 so you could you could do study period instead of that so for most kids in year 11 and 12 at our school there wasn't any physical activity in we a had week. an elective called sports science did you have that as well where yep. you could select uh, that when that we was were like younger, another, but... it was another form of pe for year 11 and 12 so yeah. if you elected to do that being a sports school we obviously had that filled with two classes of 30 plus yeah so that was just like another version of essentially PE though but your school is probably different scope because you're um a sports school but definitely at my school and it sounds a bit like at your school as well tom if you didn't want to you could probably avoid doing any form of physical activity for the best part of, of the school semester. Would you say that's correct, Tom? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, and again, you know, for those that didn't, like I, I 
really enjoyed just sort of it wasn't like exercise to me right so you know it was yeah like playing footy touch at lunch all that sort of stuff but in terms of what was mandated and only on reflecting upon it like just on the podcast the other day was I sort of like oh geez you you really weren't made to do that much and I remember in every single class the same sort of usual suspects would get out of it quite comfortably yeah uh, if they wanted to (laughs) yeah and but on the flip side of that scope if you weren't necessarily uh, inclined to enjoy the academic side, there's no way of getting out of tests. There's no way of getting out of class. That is mandatory, right? So what I was thinking listening to the, the boys on Thursday is surely as a country with increasing rates of obesity, of poor fitness levels, um, of, of health risks associated with those things, our kids need to be doing more sport. And for most parents – either the financial strain or the the time constraints around their own personal work prevent that from being before or after school. So surely we need to be doing more in schools to getting our kids um, fit and healthy. Yeah, you bring up a good point. Academically, you've got to be to a certain level, certain standard. So why shouldn't we have those sorts of standards on physical activity? I just think that makes a lot of sense. I don't know why it should be on the school, though, to enforce like kids being not obese like i understand that you know parents are probably under time or money constraints but schools are there to give people a good education right but is part of that education education on health and fitness well, should be there should as, be some aspect it's, of it's it, as sure. important as anything i think as tom was saying though at scott's you know at most schools if you wanted to get out of it you could and yeah. i'm pretty sure if you wanted to bludge a few classes like we did at our school if there was any sort of sport i'm sure you were the same scope you're getting out of it like you're going to play european handball at home <laughs> and you get a few days off school like it happens tom you've you've got kids uh do you think any yep, owner should be on the school to, uh, I guess, promote a certain to, level of, of health and fitness? Yeah, for sure. Like, obviously, the, uh, you know, I shouldn't be feeding them cupcakes and lollies and all that sort of crap day in, day out. Like, obviously, that responsibility falls on the parent. But schools, I mean, schools are more than comfortable to sort of, um, I guess get involved in all facets of the of your children's lifestyle. Like you know, you're doing heaps of extracurricular stuff. I remember we'd have to go to like they push religion. Like I had to go to chapel every day, or yeah. like once a week, twice a week, or there'd be special ones outside of like on weekends. You got to go to. Um, it would just make sense. I don't think it's. I don't think, especially at a private school, but I just think generally, right? Like mandated exercise should be the same as doing tests and exams. Like the, the, the reason, the catalyst for our conversation was about the beep test. Some study in Adelaide where it was like, oh, the beep test, you know, negatively impacting kids. And you're like, well, is it though? Like, or is it just a couple of sickies that don't feel like going for a trot? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I've, and I've been that sickie. Me and Eddie, who <laughs> I do the podcast with, we've actually got a, a unreleased but eventually when we get off our asses, we'll release it a, uh, a beep test that we did against each other. And I got smoked. I got absolutely smoked. I got like six. Ooh. And so, you know, I'm not, yeah, it was bad. I look, I would, I'd, I'd be confident that I could get to the double digits if I were to do it today. I did run with scope this morning. Um, but you know, like, what are we talking about here? You get, you feel a bit down and out cause you're, cause you couldn't go well in the beep test. Well, one of the things that scope and I was saying this morning, one of the best things about running, is how quickly you can improve. Mm. And like, surely that's better 
for someone's like uh, mental health or, you know, the way they perceive exercise is like, Hey, look at this. You couldn't run, you couldn't run five K's this week. And in two weeks time, you're doing it on your ear and able to have a chat and have a good time. Like it just seems, it just seemed like a very weird angle to take where it's like, Oh, people aren't enjoying it. I'm not a hundred percent sure whether you guys brought this up on your podcast or I might've heard this on Rogan during the week, but there was that footage of like kids in the 1940s or fifties doing uh, PE class at school, physical activity. And yeah. all these kids yeah. are like jacked. Little kids with six packs running so around jacked. doing monkey bars. Where's that? Where's that today? <laughs> exactly. Like those ab muscles. Like obviously there are, you've got your abs, but whatever those muscles are that are like on the side of your body, <laughs> you could probably tell me what they are. 15-year-olds <laughs> with like side muscles. I'm like, Jesus, doing monkey bars and all that. I'm like, I'd kill for that. Scope, where you would have done the beat test at school. Was it? Did you do it at football as well? Uh, yeah, we had the beat test that uh, slowly transitioned by the back end of my career in, into uh, we used to do the yo-yo test. Yeah, yeah, test. And then we also used to do the Bronco, which is like a 1.2 run, but very similar. What were you so, on the beat test at school? Are you a good beat test Beat operator? test, I was always okay uh, because of footy as well when we were training so much and I was so active. So... I think the floor for a, a beat test when we started playing representative rugby league, so SG ball, 20s, all that sort of stuff was like 12.1. Ooh, That solid. was sort of like a level. Yeah. I remember doing it for PE on, on a camp in year nine and and just scraping in, just getting over a 10 at yep. the time as, as yep. a kid. But, uh, you know, as we did a little bit more and certain different drills would come in, uh, I remember there was, there was one really bad – uh, pre-season that I had at Parramatta where we did a big group. Uh, it was the yo-yo test, but it's similar, very similar to the beep test. And the scores are different, but it was right at the start and we had the entire squad, first grade, New South Wales Cup and 20s all training together. So I'm talking <laughs> 75 to 80 yeah, deep. Yeah. 80 deep with two speakers, two big speakers on each side so it would go across the entire footy field. And it was like... The, you had, the minimum is, is higher for a yo-yo test. And I was the second person out and they scream it out oh. too. Like they, <laughs> Justin, <laughs> someone's, oh someone, someone's got like a microphone at the end of each, both, um, at the end of both sides. And it was this big Islander boy who would have, I'm not, he would have weighed a buck 35. <laughs> We've changed. Well, he was a big, he was a big boy. He always struggled at the condition. I'm not going to name his name. He didn't end up playing first grade. And it was his name. The very next set, it was Horro gone because I missed the line. I missed the line twice. You get a warning. Yeah. And I missed the line second. And everyone gave it to me. And I had PTSD from that one beep test, yo-yo test that I made sure every time I did the yo-yo test after that, I was like at least above the median. See? Motivation. The- I got a bit of PTSD from that and hearing they're missing the line. I know that. <laughs> you miss that line. They're like, oi, come on, keep it up. And then you're trying to hammer it through and you're like, I'm not up to this. Um, Tom, I just wanted to ask you quickly while we've got you, got you on the line. You're a massive uh, Eagles fan, I guess in some ways an ambassador for the club. A lot of the footage coming out over the past couple of days of players in their new jerseys for the first time. Luke Brooks in the Manly jersey came out and said he feels relieved to have you know, left the Tigers and taken a weight off the shoulders. Our Manly 2024, is is it their year? 
Oh, absolutely, mate. Look, I, uh, I'm i always confident we're going to win the comp. Eddie's the same. But then when you see Brooks in there, he's looking good. And, I mean, talk about relief. Can you blame him? Who mm. wouldn't be relieved getting out of that joint, respectfully? <laughs> uh, you, know, like, you can tell he looks 10 years younger. He does. He does, doesn't he? Even he the way he looks good talking, in a manly jersey. I remember listening to him uh, get interviewed for the Tigers and he would always be stuttering and you could always yeah. see that he was thinking, trying You're to right. think about You're what right. he was yeah. saying. He looks so relaxed. Uh, I'm really You've got looking. to have a certain complexion to pull off an orange jersey as well. Yeah. Pretty rank colour. So <laughs> yeah. the, the maroon yeah. is a little bit more forgiving. Very forgiving. He's also, he's on the beaches now. You know what I mean? Mm. Like you get over to Manly, Brooksvale, they're calling it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. He's already got the tan going. It's, he's, he looks fantastic. So I, I think he's whilst, in for a massive you know, season. The initial signing, yeah, the initial the shock of the signing where you're like, oh, okay, Brooks hasn't played a finals in his career. Okay, sure. But then you see him in the jersey and you go, I understand now. We win the comp and we win it easily. I remember, I remember actually like coming to see you guys just after he'd signed and, and you guys asked me for a debrief, like, what have we got ourselves into? I don't know if you remember it, Tom. We, I was maybe oh, I doing it. I was doing a live stream and like, have we just signed? Why have we signed Brooks for it? I'm like, boys, don't <laughs> listen to what everyone's saying. I, I have a feeling this is going to be a really sneaky good signing and, for whatever reason, you boys always seem to listen to me when I try to talk his off, <laughs> off the edge when it comes to manly stuff. So uh, I think it's work for now. We'll see We'll see how it pans out next year. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a bit early to be saying it's work, but it definitely works for now. It's looking fantastic. <laughs> I, uh, I've got, I've got uh, we've already sort of put out the word to AFB. Obviously, he's playing for the Warriors next year, but we'll be moving heaven and earth to try to get him back to the beaches as well. I don't know how that's going to go, but Scope, we need to start working on a plan. Yeah, it'd be good to see him back on the northern beaches. Yeah, that'd change things. He's in good nick. All righty, Tom, thanks for joining us on the Mowers Club. Uh, for all our listeners, you can catch Tom and Eddie on the Hello Sport podcast. They do a Monday and a Thursday pod. Get that through Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks, fellas. Welcome back to the Mowers Club with Scope and Missile, brought to you by Toro Mowers, powered by 100 Years of Innovation. The text line is blowing up, Scope, after our school sport chat. Yeah, we've got one from the Baron. Uh, he goes, hi, guys. I feel this discussion doesn't have any weight unless you get a teacher in. They get abused, threatened, and schools have changed. Uh, this one, g'day, lads. I'm a public primary school teacher and leader of the school sport in Western Sydney. School in sports is dying. Uh, sport in schools is dying hard. Curriculum-wise, the PDHP expectations promote 160 minutes per kid per week. Mm. It's like four classes a week. Uh, but in regards to beyond the classroom, this is where it gets hard. Costs alone to a- attend a competitive sport are $10 per kid per week, which can be uh, travel of less than five minutes up the road. So I guess that's for buses and yep. Uh, This doesn't sound like a lot, but when you add equipment costs, uh, additional siblings, and the overall year, it costs uh, costs add up significantly. In addition to this, local councils are very quick to cut access to their grounds for slight rain to prioritise weekend sport. Uh, This is a great chat that I'm happy is getting some airtime. Cheers, lads. Timmy, the teacher. Um, There's some really good points there by Timmy that we probably wouldn't have thought about if we're not involved in the school system. So I appreciate that from Timmy and the Baron. Um, another one from Mystery Man. He says, boys, this is a serious problem. I run a rock climbing wall. 90% of the jobs I do are in schools, generally primary schools. The amount of children these days that are either too scared to attempt it or don't have the physical ability to climb two steps up a wall is frightening. Even worse, all the teachers are not allowed to try and encourage the kids to climb. 
Uh, I'm 36 and I think back to my school days. It's so different. I sincerely worry about the future of this nation. So again, yeah. Yeah, that's a big part of it, right? And, and that's what I think you're alluding to, uh, Missile, when we're talking about this is it's, it's, it's a real tough situation specifically for the teachers to be able to encourage mm. and try to push their kids into the kids that they're teaching into physical activity without going too over the top where it completely deters them or it becomes an activity that is less beneficial for them in a way because they just feel so uh, isolated uh, during the sport. So it's not, it's not an easy answer. Like, no, it's not. I, I, you know, enough, especially for these teachers that have to deal with 30 plus kids, you'd think majority of them, 20, 25, 25 out of the 30 would be pretty keen. And then you've got four or five and you're trying to each yeah, week, trying to get them, get them to get involved. So not, not an easy job. That's for sure.